Well, it's hot outside. It wasn't hot this 30 days ago. It just turned into Louisiana all of a sudden. Just poof, it's Louisiana. Oh, I forgot. Seasons change, don't they? There are seasons that change all the time. What's your favorite season? Probably not this one. <laughs> seasons are a constant change. The Bible talks a lot about the change in seasons in our lives. You may, and this is the crazy thing, where you're always dealing with multiple seasons at once. You may be in one season of marriage and another season of work. You may be in one season in this area of life and a totally different in this one. That's the way it is. So we're going to start a new series called Seasons. Seasons. Turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel. But i got to show you a couple pictures so you understand Cajuns is a little bit different. This is the way we kind of do seasons here. Let's look at this. So you got your husk puppy season, your fried fish season, your fried chicken season, your seafood bowl season. That one's almost over. Well, let me get this. Is, this is elementary. This is more for like children's ministry. Let me show you the way it works for, for us. Okay, you got your crawfish season. That's about to end, guys. You need to get what you can get because in a few weeks it's over. And you got your crab season, your shrimp season, oyster season, Mardi Gras season is not good for much. Your snowball season, it's gets snowball season, isn't it? Yes? And you got your tailgating season, and then praise God, you're back to crawfish season again. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's a good, it's good. God's good to us here. Seasons of life. If you need a copy of that, just let me know. I'll send it to you. You can put it on your screensaver, whatever you want to do. There it is, the seasons of Louisiana. So we're in 1 Samuel chapter 2. The seasons of God's people individually and as a nation are changing. The time of the judges is ending. 300 years, Joshua's been dead. The season of the judges is ending. Samuel is a child, the last judge, who will not only be a judge in Israel, but he'll be the prophet of Israel and the priest of Israel. He is the picture and the prototype of Christ. He's a Christ-type figure in the Old Testament. Samuel is. So, But to bring in the new, the old has to die. And so we're in this time when Eli the priest and his ungodly sons are getting ready to go out. And Samuel's getting ready to come in. So Samuel's the young boy at this time. So I'm picking it up where God is pronouncing the end of one season with Eli and his sons and the beginning of another. We're going to read 2 Samuel 2, 27 to 35. It's a lot of text, but we don't want to go light on the word of God. Amen. We don't skim over it. We stare at it intently, deeply. We want the 4K word of God. We don't want the, the low resolution, right? You don't want those 20-year-old TVs in your house. You may got a 20-year-old TV? I hope not. I'm going to pray for you. That 4K. Let's stare and observe the word of God. Verse 27. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? He's speaking of Aaron, the first high priest. Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer, up my, to offer upon my altar burn, to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick against my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offering of Israel, my people? Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. 
Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off the arm and the arm of your father's house, so there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel. Even though there's a great season coming for Israel, it will not be a good season for you. And there shall be not an old man in the house forever. Verse 33. But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart. And all the descendants of your house shall die in the flowing of their age. And now, in the flowering of their age, excuse me. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons. This is going to happen, that prophecy we just read, under Solomon's reign years later. But he's saying the sign to you that this is going to happen will be this. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, in one day shall die, both of them. I know that's very depressing because it's real life. But then God's going to show you, as he always does in the winter seasons, the spring. And here comes the spring, verse 35. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house. He shall walk before my anointed forever, and it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver. He will walk before my house, before my anointed forever. I like that. There's always winter seasons, and God always shows us spring. The prophetic always is spring, bursting forth of new things. Let's look at this. We're going to learn some new things from the Word of God in this series because you're in seasons in your life, and so am I. And I want to be fruitful. I want to be happy in every season of my life. I'm supposed to give thanks for God in all things. Is that every season? Yes. Therefore, by the command of God, I want to be thankful. I want to find the presence of God, the direction of God, and the peace of God in every season. And there's hard seasons and easier seasons. Let's look at this. It starts off very unique, verse 27. Then a man came to Eli, excuse me, then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father? When you're in Pharaoh's house. A, a man? This is an unnamed prophet in the Bible. There are actually three in the Old Testament. Do you know there are thousands of anonymous characters in the Bible? Thousands. This, the man of God, this prophet that is not named, there's one here, there's one in 1 Kings 13, and in 2 Chronicles 12. Trivia. Who was Noah's wife? Don't say anything. It's a trick question. We don't know her name. Who was David's mother? We don't know her name. Or the name of the wise men, the shepherds, the centurion and his servant, the man who owned the donkey that Jesus rode in, the two thieves on the cross, the boy who gave his lunch, the Ethiopian eunuch. There are thousands of people that we don't know their names, but God used them. God had a voice that they, God used their voice in their generation, even though they're not named, including this man. This man had a voice that was the pivot point, the seasonal change for Israel. We don't know who he is. He didn't care. All he wanted to do was be a voice for God. Amen? Number one on your notes. God is never 
without a voice for his people. Eli struggled in the things of God. His sons were wicked, but God had a voice. Amen? You may not have a voice in government. We may not have a voice in government all of our lives. God has a voice. You may not even feel like you have a voice in your work. God has a voice. You may feel like this or that or whatever. God has a voice and he will not be silent to you. Amen? I want to show you something. You ever have a wrong picture of the Bible and then you read it and you're like, oh, I didn't realize that. (laughs) Even I do sometimes. So, you know, uh, in the Ten Commandments, the movie, or the Prince of Egypt, the cartoon, which I watch way too much. You know, right? uh, Moses, you know, the burning bush, and he hears everything, and he gets everything. He's full of God's fire. He's got the rod, and he's going into the land of Egypt. He walks into Egypt, and he just blows it up, right? That's not what happens. Exodus chapter 4, 27. I thought he just went in and, I mean, like a sheriff with double six shooters. Ba-ba-ba-ba-boom. That's not what happened. You know, we just read it says, did I not clearly reveal myself to your father Aaron? Did I not clearly make it clear? Look at Exodus 4, 27. And the Lord said to Moses, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. Who else had been to the mountain besides Moses? Aaron, who else had been there who had heard the voice of the Lord? Even though Aaron didn't have a voice in Egypt, even though there was no no, uh, godly representation, the Pharaoh in the country was against him, God had a voice for Aaron. He went and kissed him. So Moses said to Aaron, so Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who, who had sent him and all the signs which he had, which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord has spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. Now that's a voice. God says, Aaron, you get up and you go to the mountain because I want to give you revelation too. Then they got revelation together because let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Then they go back to all God's people and they say, I'm going to tell you all the words that I have for you. God is not silent. He always has a voice in every season. Amen. In every one for you. In every one for me. He has a good voice for his people. He's never without one. And then we have a responsibility. Okay, Lord. When and how do you want me to be your voice? Not just this. This is important. This is the word of God. We honor it here. When and how am I called to be your voice? Now, I was thinking about this in world history, and a person came to mind, and it was this person. Let me show you this picture. Uh, it's a little grainy because it's very old. This is Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Lutheran clergyman, a pastor in Nazi Germany in World War II. Not only was he Um, outspoken against Hitler, one of the few voices. He was also a spy and involved in an assassination attempt. He was martyred underneath the Hitler regime. Bonhoeffer says right there, raised in Berlin, Bonhoeffer was one of the few clergymen who opposed Adolf Hitler and the rise of Nazism in the 1930s. This is what he said. Next picture. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. 
God is not silent, and do we follow his model? Amen. We are not silent either. God is never without a voice for his people. Now you hear all of the atrocities of World War II. That's probably one of the biggest in our mind that we see in the movies made and everything. But in that mess, God had a voice of truth, of love. Now tell me that God is silent in any situation, that he cannot move in any situation in your life, no matter what the conditions are, right? Amen. Let's keep looking at this. A man of God shows up. We don't even know who it is. We're right there in Samuel 2. One more scripture. Let me show you David here, what he says about about this, because I thought it was really neat. Psalm 29, verse 3. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Now think about when this was written. This is a Eastern culture a long time ago. Do you think they had a lot of charted uh, oceanographic maps? No. That's a mystery time, right? I mean, this is the time when people are thinking that there's a real Aquaman or something. <laughs> they think in this time that over the waters is such a mysterious thing. But King David says, I want to tell you something. The Lord's voice is even there. In the unknown, where it's dark, in the places where there's where even the, the, the bravest, burliest sailors won't go, God's got a voice there. Amen? He's got a voice. There is no place he doesn't have a voice. All right, now we're ready for, for 28 and verse, verse 28. Let's look at this. So this is the prophet speaking to Eli. He's pronouncing the change of seasons in his life. Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be priest, speaking of Aaron, to offer upon my altar to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me? Did I not choose for, for my priest, my altar, and before me? You know, when we think about all of the things with the, with the temple, this is obviously about the tent of meetings and the sacrifices for the people and all that, none of that was for the people first, was it? What does this text say? It's my altar for, for my priest for my altar to burn my to burn incense and to wear my ephod. There is a principle here. There is a deep principle. First and foremost, the job of the high priest was to minister unto the Lord. Before he served the people, he was a servant of God. He was not first the people's priest. He was God's priest. To offer upon my altar, the priest brought sacrifices and atonement and worship to God. And to burn incense is the picture of prayer before the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Remember the high priest? He would go into the Holy of Holies once a year. How many people went in there? One, right? It's him and God and nobody else. It's him and God and no one else. Number two on your notes. The God first principle needs to be your permanent season. Make the God first principle 
your permanent season. Oh. Just two words. I'll give you a minute. That prophet looks at Eli and says, it doesn't matter your office. It doesn't matter the position you hold. It doesn't matter the season. There is one overarching principle from Genesis to Revelation. God first in all things. Amen. God first in all things. He is above all. He deserves all. He saves. He's first. Amen. Oh, that is a beautiful picture. And that, that, was, the, the re, uh, that was the rebuke he gives Eli. You've honored your sons above me. I am not f- first in your heart. And what was the issue if we go all the way to the book of Revelation? You have left your first love. The God first principle will cause you to be fruitful in every season. Won't it? It'll make us have a peace no matter what's going on. The God first principle is the principle of fruit in every season. Is the, I'll lead you beside still waters. Right? As y'all know, I lived a few years in Colorado. It's good to visit. You don't want to live there. (laughs) Right, Chris? (laughs) I'm sorry. That was was wrong. Sorry, my friend just moved back from there. Too much snow or something. I don't know. (laughs) Let me show you this picture right here. Okay, so there's this company and this big saying there. It's in Colorado. So in the high country, it snows a lot. It it snowed on us in August when we were up there at 10,000 feet. So the name of the company and the big phrase there is never summer. So you know how you have like beach bums, right? And they want to be on the beach all the time, you know, dude, and that's all they want to do. Okay, I'm not an impressionist. I'm a pastor. All right, y'all know. You're like, Stephen, don't even go there. Well, these guys are the same way. All they want to do is snowboard and be in the snow all the time. They just, it's crazy for us to think, I just want one winter summer. I mean, excuse me, winter season. Wouldn't that be weird? But there are people like that. They just never summer. All they want is snow and to be in the mountains and to snowboard and and eat their chili, and that's it. That's all they want to do. They're just like Californians surfing, except they're in the mountains. And I thought, well, okay, I can't do that, first of all. I have to be a responsible human (laughs) under God. But I was thinking, hmm, that is the picture of the permanent season. I mean, one way, this is it, God first, all the time. Amen? Look, we can even learn things from these guys. And they have altitude sickness. They're up there so much. (laughs) This is what 1 Peter says so clearly. Chapter 2, 4 and 5 and 9. Coming to him as living stones rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into your wonderful light. This picture right here is what we're talking about in 1 Samuel. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. You need to read 1 Samuel 2 and then read this together. And that gives us the picture. That gives us the picture 
of the voice of his people and the God first life, the permanent season kind of life. All right, let's keep looking here. We're back in Samuel. Let me read 30 and 30 and 31 together. Far be it for me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me, and those I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off the arm and the arm of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. Now, obviously, he's not specifically talking about cutting off his arm. The arms in Israel, and any time it says that in the Bible, it's talking about your strength and your power. He's saying, "Let me li- listen to this. He's saying, without honor, you'll have no strength. Without honor, there will be no endurance of days, and the old men who is the picture of honor, gray hair in this culture is a, is a thing of great honor. We, we miss that in our culture sometimes. Our culture is usually youth-centered focus instead of we honor, sometimes we honor opposite. Not, I'm not saying one's perfect or the other, but in this, the honor flowed up to age. And he's saying there will be no honor Excuse me, there will be no strength. There will be no old men in this house and in your family because there's no honor there. Let me tell you the key to seasonal strength, the key to endurance, the key to being fruitful is number three on your notes. Strength for every season is found in honoring God. Is that right? Look at it. Y'all know the word. Look at it. There's no honor for me. There's no strength for you. You won't honor me and your son's not. Your arms are coming off. There will be no power in your house. And there won't be an old man. There'll be no endurance. Oh, how we need endurance. Amen. Oh, how we need endurance with a job, with those small kids, with a physical ailment, with a financial difficulty. Honor me and you'll find the strength you need. All right. This is a difficult passage, I'm going to tell you. Because we've got Eli the high priest called by God. His two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who are wicked. I don't mean bad, I mean wicked. They are doing sexual and moral things. They are stealing from people. People hate to come to the house of God and bring sacrifices because of their wickedness. And I'm like... Lord, this is, why, why are they like this? There, there is a few simple little words in 1 Samuel 2.12 that tells us what's going on here and why God is going to shift and make a change. He doesn't go back on his word. You see, Aaron had multiple children, right? Two of them died because they, they were wicked. He had multiple children. So one of the lines is the one Eli is in. That's going to be removed, and one of his other sons is going to become, under Samuel, the new line of the high priest. It never moves from Aaron. It just shifts to a different son. But the reason is, is 1 Samuel 2.12. Look at this. This is a sad, sad scripture in the Bible. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. Look at those six words. They did not know the Lord. 
they did not know the Lord. There is only one hope. It is Jesus Christ. You can be of a priest. You can be the greatest pedigree. You can be you, this or you can be that. But without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. Amen? You talk about it. You're the voice of it. You live on it and you proclaim it. They didn't know the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And He is Jesus Christ. Amen? Strength is found in that honor of the cross of Jesus. You will find all the strength you need in the cross of Jesus Christ. His work is complete, right? All right, let's keep looking here. Lastly, so, oh, the difficulty. Now the, the, the prophet is going to shift and say the seasons are changing and they're going to be good. Unfortunately, this lost world, the Hophni and Phinehas who didn't know God, they won't experience it. It says, even though I'm going to be good to Israel, good things are coming to Israel. Through Samuel, obviously, King David and all that, the golden years of, of Israel, they won't experience it, but he's going to shift and say, others will. Verse 35, then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed. I'm going to raise him up. This house will not fall, a sure house. And not only that, He's going to have an audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's going to have a relationship with God Almighty. Boy, this speaks of Christianity in us today, doesn't it? He's going to be able to, even though a sinner, even though not perfect, Samuel, he's going to better walk before me. Boy, I like this. When I look at this and it says, A sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. Tell you, there's a wonderful thing about having a good foundation, right? When I was a kid, we always kind of had old junky cars. And like, okay, you're going to hit a bump and something's going to fly off of it. Oh, yeah, I've been there, huh? <laughs> so when you're in the vehicle, you're like, it's, it's an adventure. You never know what's going to happen. Something could blow up. You know, something may start leaking out of it. There's just, you never know what was going to happen. So one time I was riding in a vehicle, someone else's vehicle, and I'm like, you know, 12 years old, and they're doing 65, 70 down a highway, and there's a huge pothole. And this vehicle is a, a brand new big old Lincoln. It's a tank. It's, it's a tank. And they hit that pothole doing 65 miles an hour. Gabaloom! And I'm like, oh, that's it. That's it. It's, it's over. I mean, we, we hit that thing, and I felt like we went airborne. We didn't. But you know we hit one of those giant ones, and I thought, we're going to be stuck here, and I'm going to be changing another tire. And we hit that thing, and just kaboom, and never missed a beat and kept going. Oh, the Lord is in this place. <laughs> and I said, how did you do that? I thought he was supernatural. He said, oh. This is a strong new car, and I keep good tires on it. I thought, oh, you can live like that? I thought you were just supposed to gamble every time you got in a car with your life. Did a sure foundation? You can be at peace and rest and hit a pothole, and it doesn't matter? 
Yes. That was revelation for me as a child. That was revelation. I was like, oh, oh, this is what I want. Now I know how to pray. Sometimes you got to see it to know how to pray, right? That prophet says, I want to tell you, there's going to be a sure house built and a sure foundation. And you're going to have rest and you're going to have peace. And all the years of judges and up and down, that's going to end. It's time for you to be at peace because my people have the peace, the prince of peace. Amen? Number four in your notes. God's people rest in the plans of the Lord in every season. This is such an important principle. This is why. I'm often not in control of the seasons of my life. Right? He is. You're not either. I'm not in control when I walk out there into that sinful world. There's no telling what's going to happen. Car accidents, you know, just life. But there's a God who pronounces rest over me and you in every season. Therefore, I, though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. It's on this side and it's on that side. But what does the word say? He has prepared a road of righteousness for me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's not what you're walking on. You're walking on the path of righteousness through the shed blood of Jesus. And that is the rest of God. That's what he has for us. Amen? That's what he has for his people. Let's read this last scripture. Worship team, you can come up. Psalm 127, 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late. Stop stressing in every season. You need to give that to the Lord in everything you're dealing with. For he, for so he Gives his beloved what? Some of your translations on your Bible say rest. Rest. Only God's people know what rest is. The world doesn't have it. They have Prozac. That's not, I didn't mean that to be funny. It's a synthetic rest and it wears off and I got to take another one. That's not God. The worship team's going to play again. I ended a little bit early. I want you to sit. You're going to have a time of reflection. You spend some time with Jesus as, this, as the word has been freshly poured out on us. And, and just let soak in it. Talk to the Lord about the seasons of your life. Ask him what you need in the seasons. He wants to talk to you and give you revelation about every season of your life. The one you're in right now. He is not silent. He will speak in this season. Thank you.
service like this. If Christ is not your Savior, this may be uncomfortable for you, but you have to understand we've been saved by the blood of the Lamb and we didn't deserve it. Oh, but He saved us by His amazing grace. So all of us, worship team, y'all ready? We're going to come boldly to the throne of grace. 
I don't want to live contrary to the word of God. Y'all ready to come boldly to the throne of grace so we can obtain mercy? Now listen, mercy comes. Put that scripture back up there. The last verse. It's all right. Mercy comes. The power of God comes when we come boldly. There it is. Mercy and grace comes when we come boldly to his throne. Amen? Is that what it says? You come boldly, you're going to find it. Let's come boldly right now in these last few minutes. Come on, worship the king. Talk to the king. Tell him he's the king of every season. Day weekend.